Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And all the activity and behind running a virtual clinic, especially one as big as Lawrence First and Goal, I don't get to see a lot of the presentations, but I do go back to see the replays. And one that I was deeply impacted by was this talk by Glenn Caruso of St. Thomas. St. Thomas has made the jump from Division Three to Division One in the heart of a pandemic going on. So they had some incredible challenges, but if you've watched this program over time, you know that they have some incredible leadership from Glenn Caruso. And he tells his story here about his dad and where these things develop and how really he's lived this through his whole life. And it's made its way into his program. And he really understands who he is as a leader. He shares some incredible things here that I think are worth listening to for anybody, whatever position you serve in your program, whatever level you're at. Uh, Even if you are not in football, I think this is a valuable episode about being a leader. And it's just a peek at it. I'm only giving you a little bit of it. You can go and see the replays at Lawrence First and go at lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com. There's staff passes available, individual passes. Uh, You can get a premium pass, which gives you all 127 talks for the entire year. I highly recommend you checking this out. It was an incredible clinic. And this is an example of just one of the incredible talks that are part of it. So here's Coach Glenn Caruso on leadership. Thanks to John and Marianne for having us on today. I'll give you a brief intro. Why football is important to me, maybe a little bit. Why this clinic's important to me. But I've known John for a little over 20 years. Uh, we're both proud of the bombers. And when I was getting into this and he was at Army, which is where I grew up falling in love with football on the banks of the Hudson at Mikey Stadium. Um, him and his family were tremendous to me. And then we also share, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, we also share the bond of uh, I was in a similar situation to Lauren when I was younger and uh, feel very grateful to be able to do something that, that adds value uh, in many ways, both through the coaching brotherhood and fraternity, but also through trying to allow John and Marianne to, to do some great things uh, with Lauren's vision. So grateful to be on here. I'm going to be talking about culture today. My dad was really awesome. Never technically coached me. I mean, he did coach me in Pop Warner. My dad was the most amazing guy I ever met in my life. He had to raise a whole bunch of kids by himself because my mom had passed away when I was young on Christmas Day. 
And unfortunately, unfortunately, again, uh, he passed away 16 years ago of brain cancer. So for that, he shares that that fraternity sorority with Lauren. Unfortunately, my dad was not able to get through it, but he was the most amazing guy I ever met in my life. So my mom, I really didn't know her. She was, I was young. I was eight years old when she passed away. And my dad, a stud, total 10 of a stud, moved his practice into our house. And um, his whole philosophy was, Glenn, I'm not going to tell you how to be a man. I'm going to be a man and I'm going to allow you to watch and you're welcome. Like that's the way we were raised, right? So for us to be able to see him up close was pretty awesome. He raised all of his kids with every bit of his heart. But one thing that I think he really did well, and which is serving us well right now, which is why we're on, and John asked me to be on, he said, you know, when there's change that occurs, and unfortunately, we had a whole lot of change really early in our life in a negative way. But when change occurs, he always would say, you know, it's really not about what is out there or what you're going to face. It's more about how you deal with it. And if you're going to deal with it well, then the best shot you got, no matter who you end up being, kid, is to be yourself at like a ridiculously high level. And he was always very good at, at letting us understand um, you're nothing special. And if you're going to be good, you're going to be you. I will say this before we kick off the talk. I will say there is only two things that I think our program does tremendously, like better than anyone else. Only two. And none of it has to do with our blitz package and none of it has to do with our post lockup combinations down the field versus inverted coverage. It's all about one, caring more or longer or deeper for the people that you play with than others. And two, being ourselves throughout everything we do. It doesn't make for the sexiest or flashiest of programs. I get that but it does make for a very authentic way to be able to stem these tides that we're talking about. And I appreciate that too. What my dad was always amazing at amazing is just being real stoic, like not, not uh, defiant of having emotions, just calling things what they were. I knew from the moment I could remember literally exactly what I was going through. And I think sometimes we overdigest things for our kids nowadays to a point where we prepare the path more for the child than vice versa. And one of the things that I'm grateful for that our program is living off of right now, the reason why our university enjoys what we're doing in terms of football is because of those lessons our, my dad taught us at an early age. He was really, really good with a lot of, he was really good with a lot of things, but there were three things that he was exceptional at. Now I couldn't have verbalized these to you, but they are absolutely what we spend time all day long doing every day with our kids right now. So whether it's raising a family or building a, you know, fortune 500 business or building a football team, or even just you understanding who you are, these three things are what we go back to on, on literally a daily basis. And I don't use that literal term lightly. So uh, my dad was always amazing at teaching us, you know, know your non-negotiables. What are your needs versus your wants? I think a lot of people nowadays understand what their wants are. But at the end of the day, if we're not focusing on our needs, then we're really selling ourselves short. And frankly, if we have 18 different needs, well, you know, you're not going to live too great of a life, to be honest with you. Chances are you're not discerning of what your needs really are. We need water, right? Hopefully we need love. Things past that, you don't need a whole lot. You know, food, water, love, that's about it. So trying to explain what our needs are, define what our needs are, what our wants are. And the better we are at trimming down what our needs are, 
the better we're going to be in, in able to in being able to find those. So for instance, I used to have an offensive line coach. He's not with me anymore. And I used to say, okay, by position, what are your non-negotiables? What are the things that you have to have? You've got to have them or else you can't have an effective position. And every Caruso ever has their non-negotiables. Every team has theirs, whether the, you would understand them or not, you have them. Every position group, every side of the ball, every scheme has non-negotiables. What are our needs in this scheme? What are our wants? What are our needs in this position group? What are our wants? And the offensive line coach said, well, he has to be 6'4 or better. He has to bend at the ankles. His chest has to come out past his stomach. He has, there was like a litany of eight things, right? And I said two things. I said, number one, I'm not getting those guys. Coach Saban is going to get that guy. I'm not getting that guy. So how do I find a way to be successful without having every measurable? I said, number two, what do I need you for? If I'm able to recruit that guy, what do I need a coach for? Because that guy can do it all. What are those things? Don't tell me the most things that you need. Tell me the least number of things you need, the least common denominator, because now we're able to better able to go out and try and find those things. Number two, my dad said, know who you are, kid, know who you're not right? You're not a lot of things. And my dad was wonderful. He was a loving guy. But like I said, he was a realist and he was stoic. And he would say, no, you better know who you're not. Because if you don't find out who you're not, someone else is going to find out before you. And then they're going to use that against you. So you better find out who you are, who you're not. And don't try and be two things because there's only one face per person, bro. That's just the way it works. And the last thing, and this is a blessing to be able to see what brings you joy, right? And if we're going to do these things, my dad was a lawyer, first to ever go to school a day in his life, in his whole family, he was the first to ever go to school for a day in his life. And he put himself through law school, served us in the military. And at the end of the day, he put himself second in everything he did. But he always found little ways to bring him joy because he knew if his passion was the law or raising his family, that there was going to be so many shortcomings and so many failures. So what do we have to do in order to find enough joy to get us over the hurdle to the next day to where even though it's really, really, really tough, we're able to find our passion. That's our passion or our purpose in life. Pride and passion. You hear that a lot. So for me, I'm just going to lay them out there for you. I know what I'm not. I know what I am. I thank everybody on this call, everybody who in the future, I know it's going to be recorded and played again. Everybody who's listening and everybody who lives. If you're blessed with the opportunity of being cognizant of who you are, you need to do this exercise. You need to know who you are. Literally write a list down, do it and what you're not and understand those things that you might want to change and be comfortable with the things that you're not able to change. I know what I'm not. I'm not brilliant. I'm truly not. I'm not being tongue in cheek either. Like I'm not highly sophisticated. I'm not great looking. I'm not a good athlete. Totally not healthy, relaxed or patient. That line right there, that's the Rachel Caruso line. That's my wife. She's an amazing mother of three kids and, and husband and coach's wife. Things above that line, we all have these, these, uh, these lists. The things above these lines, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be. The things below the line, I'm not, but I am trying to be a little bit better. I do, however, know exactly who I am, and I'm not trying to be um, you know, rude. I'm, a lot of things I'm not, but I do know that I have a vision and a persistence to paint a picture. I do have a pension. I have a strong appetite for doing things that people don't think can be done, like taking over a two and eight program that had one win in the postseason in the first 117 years, right? And then taking them to where we've been able to take them. Everyone said we're crazy. Like, I love that. That's, that's awesome. Let's, let's do that if everyone thinks we're crazy. And uh, I, I know who I am, right? I would urge everybody to try and do the same thing. Now, when we took this job over, 
This was now 15 years ago. We came into the University of St. Thomas, like I just said, 30 seconds ago. Didn't have a whole lot. They had a whole lot to be ready for. Didn't have a whole lot of on the field success of what I think they should have had. We took over a two and eight program that I thought was like awesome. It was perfect for what we were looking for. And when we interviewed for the job with the other 412 people who applied and the other six finalists, five of which I knew and one was a secret finalist, there were three things that we highlighted on that interview. And this was, these slides were just cut and pasted from 15 years ago, basically. And then, you know, formatted to 16 by nine from three by four when we didn't have widescreens. But the same thing I told those groups that I met with on my 13 hour interview 15 years ago at the University of St. Thomas, were that we were going to focus on three things, our pride and our personnel, our people, our passion for our performance and our persistence and our plan. And I wasn't trying to be cute by using alliteration. It's just, if I ask the recruits, because we show this to the recruits before we even get them. If I ask anybody from a recruit to an All-American who played for us or someone who coaches for us, you know, I said, what are the commonalities between those three things? The commonalities of those three underlined words are that none of them are genetic and none of them follow any sort of DNA structure. They all have to be learned and engineered into someone. And so you can teach those things, pride and passion and person and persistence, those can be taught. Anyone who says, no, those are genetic, they're wrong. That's just the way they're wrong. Every program who's listening or watching can manufacture and or engineer pride and passion and persistence if we care to be able to put them at the forefront of what we're trying to do. So for us, this is how it breaks down. People say, yeah, that's really esoteric, but what does that mean? This is what it means for us. I don't know what it means for you, but you should start thinking about it if you haven't already. When you talk about pride in the personnel, okay, these are the seven things that in one way or another, and this list started with six, and then it went down to five, and then it went back to six. Now it's a seven. It's going to ever be evolving. These are the seven things that our guys, whether they are DBs or O-linemen from California or Minnesota, short, fat, tall, skinny, uh, whatever religious affiliation or genetic background, these are the seven characteristics that we look for when we look to attract someone to our program. It's weird. It makes recruiting a little bit different, but you know what? It makes it pretty direct too, and it works for us. Our kids will have ridiculously high levels of enjoying the journey, but embracing the struggle. I think the simple reason why we have zero kids in the portal right now is probably in large part, not just because we went from division one to division, division three to division one and and won seven games in year one. It's probably more a part of the fact that they understand that the shortcomings, whether it's dropping the post in front of 40,000 people or your girlfriend having an argument with you or failing a test or getting demoted on the football field. Like there's always an embrace of a struggle that has to occur. Number two, they're critical, they're confident, and they're optimistic. They're not ignorant, rose-colored glasses. Everything is perfect, guys. But at the end of the day, there's two types of people. Dad used to say this about everybody, like everybody. There's people that put more peanut butter on their peanut butter and jelly, and there's people that put more jelly on their peanut butter and jelly. And you could tell something from that. There's two types of people. There's people that try and find ways to say yes. I'm not talking about yes, men. Don't put words in my mouth. There's people that try and find ways to say yes, and there's people who try and find ways to say no. I'm not going to live in a world with the second part.
whether it's our football team, whether it's our children, my wife, whether it's my own grandmother, I'm not going to do it. And I, I do not care. Number three, they're forward thinking, right? They're always trying to think what's the next thing that I need to do. Can you take the next right step? Awesome book right here on my bookshelf. This book is tremendous. It calls, it's called God Never Blinks, right? And there's 50 little things in here that we use on a regular basis. And number two is very simply, when you don't know, take the next right step. I can't see the whole picture. I don't know how we're going to turn two and eight into a national power. I have no clue how we're going to get the quarterback that we want three years from now. And I certainly have no idea how we're going to make a jump from division three to division one, albeit in the midst of uh, a national pandemic, a global pandemic. So all I can do is take the next right step. What's the next thing we could do? Number four, they take it personally. Number five, they're competitive, like ridiculously so. Number six, they're stubborn. And this is something that I think a lot of people uh, look down their nose at. But I think stubbornness is actually an endearing quality. I think it shows a depth and a breadth of belief and intention into what someone holds near and dear to their heart. Now, as coaches, we're stubborn too. And if push comes to shove, I'm pretty certain that I know who's going to win that one. But at the end of the day, I actually like players who are stubborn. They, they work really well as great teammates. And the seventh thing is they're highly demanding, like ridiculously highly demanding of themselves, of me, of our coaching staff, of their teammates. Easy is a four-letter word. And we got a couple of them in this crew. So I mean, I'm at home right now doing this from home, but we got a couple four-letter words. You can imagine what some of them are. And some of the others you probably can't imagine are, yeah, sure, fine, luck. Those are all things that, that we don't use those in our nomenclature, but easy is one of those. We're not trying. I'm not trying to find the easiest way for you, son. I'm not. I'm trying to for, find the most worthy way for you. And there's a difference. And if you can't understand that you're going to be held to that standard, then this is not the place for you because you can quit now. I tell them this in recruiting. You can quit now, but you cannot quit when it's fourth and one. And you can't quit when your daughter comes home with brain cancer. You simply cannot do it. There's definitely more to this one that you're going to want to check out in the replays at Warren's First and Goal Clinic. You can find that at lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com. We also had a replay from our archives of defensive coordinator at St. Thomas, Wally Kuczynski, who's done an incredible job there. You want to check that one out. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for supporting the podcast and for supporting Lawrence First and Goal.